Welcome to the Balanced CEO Podcast, where we have authentic conversations celebrating the successes of being an entrepreneur while acknowledging the challenges along the way. Join us every other Wednesday as we talk about all things business and life. Nothing is off limits. Here's your hosts, Askar, Sarah Taylor, and Aaron. Hello, CEOs. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Welcome to the Balance CEO Podcast. I am Asgar. I'm Erin. We are anchors. In today's episode, we will be discussing me, myself, my business. So let's get started. We have a very special guest for you today in our CEO suite, the one and only Jan Ditchfield. Jan Ditchfield is an award-winning social entrepreneur and business educator. With over 20 years of experience in business development, marketing, and operations, Jan built her career helping businesses to thrive. She has successfully founded two nonprofit organizations, three for-profits, and has been responsible for over $20 million of revenue in her career. Her leadership has been recognized with a variety of awards, such as the Rick Hansen Difference Maker Medalist, finalist in the Celebration of People Awards, and named one of the amazing people in Canada's National Capital Region. Throughout her career, Jan gained a unique insight into the challenges that women face when trying to navigate their professional goals when they aren't presented with the roadmap to follow. Jan now teaches first-time female entrepreneurs and professionally driven women the effective framework to build a profitable career and master business technology with confidence. She is one phenomenal woman, and we're excited to have her here today. So, Jan, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? We are doing great, and we're so happy to have you in our CEO suite today. And we're just excited to hear you with everything that you have to say and gain some insightful tools and feedback for our women. So reading your bio and just from our conversations prior so your story is very inspirational, and we would love to hear more about how did you get to where you are today, and what has your journey been like, especially during this time of COVID and running a business in the midst of a pandemic? So pandemics and businesses, those are things that nobody was really prepared for. So pretty deep into my career at this point, but 21 years into my career, I started out originally, I actually wanted to be a music journalist. That was my intention coming out of university was realized really quickly that I had to pay bills and that was not going to be the way to pay them. So I started actually working originally in restaurants and I was running some of the biggest restaurants in the Toronto region. And I discovered there that I was really good with marketing and really good with numbers. And it, it was actually something that I didn't realize that I had a talent in until that time. I did my degree in English literature. So it wasn't something it's completely different from what it was that I thought I was going to do. So did that for a while and just worked my way up through business. And it got to the point where I was basically starting to be able to be hired by companies to come in and fix businesses that were 
really struggling. So I kind of got a sort of building a reputation of being someone that you brought on board to retool operations and raise money, um, kind of steady the ship. And so as I kept doing that and I would get bigger projects and bigger projects and bigger projects and work with bigger names and bigger names and started, ended up uh, taking over some really large scale projects and and, and uh, helping to, to shape consultations for some of the bills that we now have in place, specifically within the human rights areas of our country. While I was doing that, I was doing project managing, massive project with close to a million dollar budget. Um, I found out that I got pregnant with my husband later in life than most people do it. So I don't know if I was lucky or smart, whichever way it was, but it's what happened. I had her later in life. I was into my early 40s. And when I took time off, I decided extended time off. And by then I had already done two nonprofits of my own. And I said, I, you know, I want to just be a mom. I want to take time to be a mom. I want to see what this is like. So I took extended leave and blessed in our country that we have such great leave as well. So when I decided I was going to go back to work, I um, said, okay, I'm going to look for a project that's something that's going to really, you know, sparks my heart. My career has been one that's lots of burnout constantly, and it's the same problems you're seeing all the time. So I decided to go back and really realized very, very quickly that I did not want to be working for anyone anymore. I wanted to be working for myself and that this was now the right time. I wanted to be able to prioritize my family. I wanted to be able to pursue the things that made my heart sing, not somebody else's heart. I wanted to make money for my family instead of making money for other people's families. Um, so I stepped out and said, that's it. I am retiring from corporate life. I am no longer a gun for hire, which was first called Rise Mama when I started it. And I did that soft launched in December of 2019. 19, hard launched in January, and the pandemic came in March, walking straight into a pandemic and trying to figure out what are you going to do. So it's been an interesting journey. Um, I definitely think that pivoting has been part of my journey, learning how to pivot and learning how to work within being flexible, I think, of the things that you first start off that thinking this is the right place for you to go and realizing you know, there's nothing you can do when you're, where should I be moving my business to? And it's turned out really well for me because I'm at the point now where the work that I do specifically really shifted originally from what I was doing with Rise Mama to what I'm doing now was the best thing I could have done because I'm about to be, hit six figures this year. That is amazing and incredible. And congratulations on all your accolades. Thank and you. I think as an entrepreneur, looking at everything you've accomplished, I know on this journey, sometimes people see our journey and they think it's easy. It's an overnight success. When in fact, as you can see, it takes a while and it comes with its ups and downs. So I know you shared briefly as you're giving your introduction, but if you can go more into what are some challenges and successes you face relative to whether it is funding your business, creating products that are service that people want to buy, or even partnerships and reaching your target audience, like what were some of the major challenges you faced, but also what were some successes that came out of those challenges? So for me, funding is one, I have a bit of a different model when it comes to funding. And I don't believe in the debt model in business ownership, I teach the debt free model. So funding my business never really has been a struggle for me because it's, I had enough money, I knew where I wanted to invest the money, I didn't worry about it too much. And I was able to kind of get up and out the door without worrying, be a hindrance to me, or do I need to worry about the funding aspect. And that's the blessed thing about online business is you can run an online business really, really slim compared to like bricks and mortar 
mortar, only teach online business strategy now because I'm like, nope, don't do the bricks and mortar. I think let's stay in the safe zone. Cheap, nimble, fast, scalable. That's my belief system. Of it. But I think some of my biggest struggles really were those early days of sales and especially launching and scaling it during COVID. For me, I initially launched the business focused on helping um, professionally driven mothers get back to business. So everything was focused on retooling your resume, um, your professional profile, really getting you know back into the game again and understanding your legal rights too within the, the system. So a big challenge with that is, of course, is what happened in Canada. Uh, I know it's happened in other countries as well, but in Canada was the majority of the people who were hit by, uh, who lost their jobs early on were women with children. So the daycares closed down and women had to stay home. Like that's just what ended up happening. So here I have a business that's helping women go back to work and there's no work to go to. And so kind of sitting and looking at that and being like, oh, jeepers, how am I supposed to fix this problem? And I remember the day that they announced the daycare shutdowns in my province because they went province by province in Canada. So we're on a border province here. So where I live is on is right in the national capital region. So Ontario and Quebec, we back each other. There's just a bridge in between us. It's kind of like Brooklyn. Brooklyn, right? And you just drive over the bridge and you're in Brooklyn. Well, you drive over the bridge and you're in Ottawa here. And I remember doing the shutdown, I went live immediately. Like, and I did a live on Facebook explaining really quickly what women's rights were in a situation like this with employers. Because I came from a background of 20 years in human rights. So I was like, well, I'm just going to give this advice out and here you go. We thought initially it was going to be a two-week shutdown. So here are the things you need to know in the two weeks so that you won't lose your job and how to have these conversations. And now two weeks was now walking into year one of it. Um, so I think for me, the biggest struggle has been within this business was trying to figure out where the money was going to be when my complete customer base lost their their base as well. So it was going from saying, here I have this business that's making huge change and I'm scaling it to, oh my goodness, women are out of work left, right, and center. What do I do about this? And trying to look at the problem on multiple levels. How do I work my way through this? And I think too, like the ideas of trying to figure out the products that people want to buy was really part of that pivoting process too, of trying to say, okay, well, now if I'm working in a space where women are unemployed, yet they still have bills coming in and they still have to pay the bills, you know, we still have, have to live life and figure out how to do it. What skill sets do I have that I can help try to generate something where I can make an income, but I can also still be able to do the things that matter to me within my business? core business values, which have always been based on making sure that women have the tools they need to achieve their professional goals and their financial goals. So that's where the shift happened to business building. So 20 plus years of doing this now, I've, I've built businesses left, right and center. I've helped other people with their businesses. So the conversation started going from people saying, Jan, what do I do on a resume to Jan, how can I make money on the side to me saying, well, I can teach you how to start a, a side hustle. I can teach you how to start a business. I can teach you how to do this. And that's what my business turned into. So it, it really, for me, a lot of it was seeing the negatives and not panicking. I think that that was like the, the biggest thing I'm the most proud of was not going into panic mode. Instead, it was like, okay, you know, get logical, root your feet, start looking for the opportunities. And I everything I teach in my business is lesson number one is where is the problem before I even talk about solutions. So a lot of people come up with businesses and they say, oh, I've got this great solution or this great idea. I want to do this business that I want to make this or serve this person or do this. And I'm always like, well, that's fantastic. But what problem are you solving for the customer? Because you don't build a business for yourself. You build a business for customers. 
they're the ones who are paying you. So if you build a business for yourself, I hope you have deep pockets because you're going to be paying your own income for a really long time. Like you don't, you don't build that way. So having, I think for me, that opportunity to sit and say, well, what can I do to build something for the people who need something now? And really putting in place then that, that really strong core foundations of here are the things that women need to know to build business successfully instead of building businesses that are hobby based, but actually understanding core business acumen that's going to lead to long-term financial success. And that's what everything is. So that my feature course that I have, my signature course is called this, and it's fully focused on teaching pure basic business acumen, marketing strategies, business technology, and launch planning. So women basically come out with a business in a box and the understanding of how to actually market that and how to sell so they can make money in week one. I think the success came out of seeing the opportunities, but again, it wasn't overnight. It was, there were months of like, you know, really thin, thin months and trying to figure out, you know, where's, how are the bills going to get paid? So, you know, but it got there. So let me ask you like about those months in terms of there must have been, you know, it was a bumpy road. There must have been some mistakes that you made. Do you have any that like really impacted your business and like you as a person, as a leader? Yep, definitely. The key mistake was not believing enough in me in a market space that I necessarily wasn't known in. Um, I was very, very known in the corporate world, right? But not so much known in the social influence and kind of that space a bit. And then thinking that I had to actually partner with somebody in order to be able to move myself forward. Instead of saying, you know what, I can do this on my own. I have the skill set. I have the acumen. I have all of these things audience will come. And it's funny because I did it, but I teach it all the time too, is say like the size of your audience doesn't dictate your success. It's the depth of knowledge of your audience that dictates your success. So, and yet somehow I was the one who just ignored my own advice in that situation. And so that's the, the thing that I, you know, I think that's my biggest regret was not you know, making that decision and spinning my wheels for so long, instead of actually clearly saying, you know, you got all these other things, Jan, you'll pick this up too. Don't worry about it. Um, So that was a piece that I would look back on and and redo if I could redo something. It's, it's funny because we always think that we're the exception to the rule, don't we? Yes, it's true. Yeah. So flipping it to more positive, how do you celebrate uh, the victories and the winning moments of your business? So I think the winning moments of my business for me were was actually when I had my first round of students graduate out of my course and have them start launching their businesses and see them being successful out of the gate. I think for me, that was my winning moment. So like that was the moment where I was like, I built something that's working really well. I've built something for that women are drawn to. I've built something that's teaching women the things that seem to be some kind of like, we're not supposed to know things like how to write a value proposition. And we're not supposed to know, you know, how to identify what a cust- ideal customer avatar is. And like, these are all things that are supposed to be secretive, where it seems to be always forced to be toward that influencer style of business building instead of here's a business case, I want you to learn how to write a business case or a business canvas and understand those core roots of why those things matter. So for me, watching them succeed, and I had 20 students, my and all of them kind of stepping out into the world and doing their own thing. It, it, that was it was wonderful. Like that was truly a really wonderful time. And it, they're still launching now. So it's been really great to, to see them up and going and, and how successful they've been. 
and and really the businesses too, the what they're creating because they're very very different all of them there's no one business that's the same as another one and there a lot of them are businesses that are really focused on social enterprise and shifting needles and making significant impact in the lives of of the world and of other people and that's i love it like i love the depth of the businesses that are coming out of uh, the work that i've been doing with my students that is so amazing jan and congratulations Thank i know you. how it is to see, you know, somebody comes in and they're nervous and just to see the, their progress over time. Those are rewards that money can't even buy. You can't even be financially compensated for it. And one thing I think about is hearing your story, I realized that pivoting was a very major part of your current success. When people think of pivot, they get a little nervous and sometimes they don't know what it is. And I know you spoke about it so many times as a critical part of your journey. If you could define pivoting, what would it be? And I think also looking at your business today, do you think overall from where you started pivoting was a great decision? Yeah. So pivoting for me is one of those things. I, I talk about it a lot within my, the work that I do as well, because people, they don't understand a pivot or they have a very negative view of a pivot. So I think that there seems to be like a lot of stigma that gets attached to the idea of pivoting. And so for me, um, I define pivoting as shifting your business to where the opportunities are. So when I see people shifting and I see the pivot happen, to me, it's a sign of strong business acumen that you're able to recognize that something's not working within your business and you have the gumption to go, I'm going to shift to where the market is. And, and pivoting doesn't usually mean that you're picking something up and dropping it in left field. Like it, people have this idea of, I need to change everything. And I, what I'm doing isn't working. And it's like, no, no, no. To keep the core things, it's where the market is. So pivot to where the market's going to be. So prime example, like again, with my business, my market where women returning to work and suddenly no women are going back to work, but they still need to make money. Well, it makes a lot of sense to be pivoting to teach them how to make money at home by building their own businesses and not MLM businesses and network marketing. Instead, I was saying, no, we're going to teach you the things you need to know to be able to get to a full-time income within two years on your own skills and your own knowledge and your own merit and your own core foundations like this is about you don't build someone else's business build your own business don't make somebody else rich you get yourself rich live your dreams so I think again pivoting is not something to look at in a negative way and for me it was the greatest decision I made within my business because I think one reason was because I saw the opportunity and I and I stepped into it, but it also was a really good decision because what I teach is very different than what a lot of people in my space teach. So when you're looking at competition and who's around you, there tends to be a lot more who are teaching things that are more about that are great that they're teaching it, but I'm like, where is the revenue streams coming from? Where is the money coming in with your 60,000 followers? Like where you're doing these things, but where is the scalable business in this? And we all know scale means either going to be more customers or more revenue streams. It's one or the other, right? So for me, because of the pivot, I was able to really see the scale. I was able to see the places that I could, but I was able to feel really grounded in myself as well. Like I, I didn't feel this, this hasn't been a struggle. I haven't struggled in the ways in the past where it doesn't feel right in my skin or like there's something's off or I, I feel like when I'm selling, I'm, I, I'm selling, like I'm not just speaking from the heart and I'm, I'm not as convincing. And this has been easy. And I think the reason why is because 
it, it, this business represents so much of me and what I believe in, but also 30 years working in sales and 20 years working in business, like development. This is what I know. Like, you know, this is what I know, Ask her. Like, I don't really know much more about anything than what I know about talking about this. So, so it's just been really easy to do and really enjoyable. And, um, and again, the the passion, right? And you know it because you do it in your business too. Like when you work with women who light your soul up, you're going to get out of bed every day. Like you're you're just ready to get up and go because they show up for you. So it's really easy to show up for them. I believe from our previous conversation, you mentioned having a partner before and making the decision to not be partnered with somebody for whatever the reason may be going on your own. And I think pivoting can also mean, you know, I used to do this business with this person and now I'm going to go on my own as well. What would you say to a woman who perhaps they have somebody that they're doing business with or they're thinking about, like what tips or what lessons did you learn from your partnership experience relative to when it comes to business and partners or what are some characteristics before you get in a partnership with somebody because that in and out of itself is an investment? It's interesting because I, I teach this. So in, in my course, module one is business models that you can set up. You know, we talk about LLCs and corporations and I talk about the solo route and I talk about partnerships and, and I always lead with good partnerships equal good paper. So paper, paper, paper. If you are deciding to go into a partnership with somebody, I would only ever recommend it going forward with somebody if you've actually sat down and you've put good paper in place that key really clearly outlines the rule, the responsibilities of each person, what the shareholding is of each person. Because people think partnerships have to be 50-50 and they don't. Like they can be 99%, 1%. You know, so for me too, is like if you are the person who came up with a business idea and you own that business idea and you decide that you want to bring somebody else in there, don't ever give up 50% of what you have. Don't give up 50% of, never do that. It's yours. You worked on it. You you were the spark of the idea. It doesn't matter at that point who's done what business-wise, you sparked it. So um, I think I, you know, all about right now, like when I, the idea of, it's like a marriage. I think that's the only analogy I can put, right? So like if a, a marriage or a long-term partnership, like a romantic partnership, if you're deciding to go into something with someone that deep, you, it better be the right person to go and be doing that. And you need to ask the same questions. Do they hold the same values as me? Do they bring the same things to the table? Are they going to show up as much as I'm going to show up? Are they going to work as hard as I'm going to work? Do they actually have the skill set that this business needs? And I really always focus too on separating the personal out from the business because business isn't personal and it shouldn't be personal. Business is business. The personal stuff, you deal with that at home by yourself with a glass of wine and a good cry and all of that stuff. But the day-to-day, it's business. And if you focus always on like, you know, oh, if I'm going to worry, I'm going to hurt someone's feelings or I'm going to worry and what the repercussions are going to be about it on a personal level, you're not going to move your business forward. So, you know, making decisions, sometimes we have to make hard decisions. We, we need to sometimes do the things that we don't want to do to get to where we want to be going. I don't hold a lot of regrets uh, in my business. I know we talked a little bit about like if I could redo something, that would be what I would redo. But I don't hold a lot of regret in the sense of for the past is a waste of spirit type of thing, right? So looking back on that, you know, things I've done in the past, and not just within this business, but other businesses, I've, I see them as learning opportunities. Um, you know, there's no such thing to me as failure. And le- the only thing is that failure is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and not realizing 
or even trying to find something different to do and that's going to actually be successful for you instead of keeping you in the same space all the time. So, you know, this is my, this is my business. It's my game. It's my show. It's my race and I'm going to run it the way I want to run it. And, and I don't particularly pay too much attention to who's beside me. And I worry about who's in front of me uh, more than anything else. Those are some really valuable insights. Thank you for sharing that. I, the, the wall between personal and business, I feel like a lot of times the, the line gets blurred and things start crossing over. So I, I think it's a really good reminder to just keep it separate because that will be healthier for you in both sides of that. What are three tips that you'd share with an entrepreneur who is, whether it's to get exposure, to make sales, to grow their business? Yeah, so I have four, if I may be so bold as to do four instead of three. Of course. Um, okay, so I have four. Um, so one, you did not define a problem that actually exists before you went out to create a solution to it. So this is the most common mistake that entrepreneurs make as they build a business for themselves. Again, they come up with an idea and they're like, oh, I want to sell, like, I always use the farmhouse sign as my analogy in this storytelling, but I want to sell farmhouse signs because I love farmhouse signs. And, and then they go to market and they're like, okay, well, my mom bought one and my friend bought one, and but nobody else is buying. I can't get out of the friends and family kind of, you know, mode of things. And the truth is, is because you've built a business again, that's not, nobody really cares about your farmhouse sign when there's 60,000 other farmhouse signs out there, right? So what problem are people actually experiencing in their lives that you can create a solution? And if you can't define the problem first, don't build the business around it, full stop. Number two is, I would invite you to actually sit down and question if you actually understand who your ideal customer avatar is. And ICA, ideal customer avatar, we talk about ICA a lot in business and it gets thrown around a lot. And we always say to people, you know, like drill down, what's their name and what hair color do they have? And what kind of car do they drive? And, and I always teach it a bit differently of, yeah, I want you to name them. But I want you to think about what problems are they experiencing? What challenges are they facing? Um, what desires do they have in life? Because people buy for the, one of three reasons. They're facing a challenge in their life. They have a pain that they can't overcome or they have a desire for something. So if you can understand what those are and define that and understand what your ideal customer is motivated by, then you know how to speak to them and you know how to market to them. Because if you can't speak to them and you think that you should build a business for everybody, you're going to build a business for nobody. You need to really narrow down on who your ideal customer is and get really focused on that bullseye of who's that target person I'm talking to, because you're not leaving money on the table by doing that. That's actually how you scale a business. More people will flock to that when they see themselves in your business than when they look at something and it's just like, you're trying to be everything to everybody. And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not part of that model. I don't see myself there. So I'm going to go to business with someone who actually knows me. They understand me better. So look at your ICA, get to know your ICA. And the third thing is you probably, if you're struggling as well, you have not clearly defined your value proposition. And your value proposition is that piece of business that people think they can skip because it's the hard one. Probably the, the hardest piece of building a business outside of defining who your ideal customer is, is what is my value proposition? What is the value that you bring to the life of your customer? What does your business do that holds value in their lives? And it takes a lot to think about that, like who you serve, what you do, what you give to them, really getting clear on that. So when people say, you know, well, what do you do? And you give your pitch and they're like, okay, instead of being like, oh, you get me. 
oh, you're going to bring value to me. Okay, I want to talk to you more and not clearly understanding that. So those are my top three that I always send people back to. And I don't just work with new entrepreneurs who are like just starting business for the first time. I have a lot of women who come in who've been kind of running something on the side for a bit and they can't get it to move. Like they're just spinning. And I always bring them back and say, we're going to do one, two, three right off the bat. And those are the three things I make them look at because most of the time they haven't put those in place. But my fourth thing that I'm going to say is that, and this is the piece of advice that I, I would like people to listen to as well, is that I want you to focus also on just focusing on one offer for one year. So new entrepreneurs a lot have a lot of squirrel syndrome. So you come out of the gate and you try something for like two or three months and it doesn't work. So then you're like, oh, I need to shift and I'm going to try this for two or three months. Oh, no, I'm going to try this for two or three months. And you just keep throwing offers out there instead of actually sitting down and focusing on one offer and delivering it really, really well for one year. Because you should never try to scale a business until you've got one year of doing something and perfecting it. Get all the bugs out. Figure out who actually your customers are. Figure out your marketing. Figure out your messaging then add something to it or then do your pivot give it a year so that's the piece that i really want people to to think about too is like you know if it's not working don't keep adding stuff to it find out why it's not working retool it and then work it for a year so those are my four things that i would say wow that's really amazing and as you were talking i was taking notes as well want to know if you were to have a sit down at a coffee shop in Quebec, having the best latte, and you had to have an experienced conversation with your, yourself when you were first starting or at your lowest, when things were not working in your business, what would you tell that Jan? I would say to that Jan that overnight success is a myth and that you know, you know, it's a myth and you know, it's not true. And yes, there's going to be people who hit on stuff and, and they fluke into something and, and, you know, they have great success and then really fast burnout, but a real business, a solid business takes time to build and it takes time to lean into, and it takes time to focus and it takes the time to be able to be comfortable enough in your skill, your skills, but also your skin to know when to fix things, to know when to say no to things, to set clear boundaries, to work toward what you see as your brass ring, right? Your professional brass ring. And and I'm really proud of the work that I've done in this business. I'm really proud of the things that I've, the challenges that I've overcome within it as well, but I'm really proud of where it's going. And, and like, on a, on a personal level as well, like not just proud of where my students are and the things they're doing, but I'm proud of myself. And if I look back and I would say to her, you know, you know, even a year ago at this point when, you know, COVID started and the pandemic hit and everything was starting to kind of crumble around me and be like, girl, you got it. You, you've got the stuff, you know, your stuff. Don't stress about it. Work the plan. Be smart, be strong, you know, put your chin up. My mom always had this old expression that she used to always say that the only way to approach life was with your chin up, your shoulders back and your knockers out. I'm showing up every day. I'm showing up to play. I'm showing up to succeed. And my chin is high. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. Well, I, I truly, I don't know about you, but I truly enjoyed today's conversation. Learned a lot about you, learned a lot about your experience, but I think you dropped a lot a lot of gems that it doesn't matter if you're first starting a business, but like you said, you may have started a business and you're un, you're a little stuck that will help you. And I love your tips. We definitely need to have you back because this was definitely refreshing for us. 
And we're just so excited for everything we're able to share. Thank you, Jan, again, for joining us for today's episode on the Balance CEO podcast. We would be remiss if we did not give you an opportunity to let our CEO audience know how to show you some love because we're all about supporting. So Jan, tell our CEOs, how can they connect with you, learn more about you or some of the things that you're working on? Yeah, you can find me everywhere um, at janditchfield.co. So on Instagram at janditchfield.co, Facebook um, forward slash janditchfield.co. And of course, on the my website is janditchfield.co. And uh, I'm live every Tuesday on Facebook and every uh, Thursday on Instagram, giving out tips and tricks and things just helping you move your business forward. And I have some new things that will be coming out as well, including a new membership that I'm going to be offering that's going to be able to give um, people the chance to kind of get into a private group and get monthly tips from me with live Q&A and some live trainings. And that's going to be launching in the spring. But thank you so much for letting me be here today and inviting me on. I just, I love it. So you know how I feel about you. I think you're just remarkable. So it's been a, a pleasure to be, to be here and to be part of this. No, thank you, Jen. I think the beauty about our conversations that every single time that we speak, it just shines and just drops some gem. And I appreciate everything that you're doing. That is incredible. We definitely want you to follow her. Jen is such a valuable asset. So don't miss out on this opportunity to join her membership. This conversation was amazing, but the conversation does not end here. Keep it going and share this episode and all its gems with the phenomenal women in your lives. And in a world of competition, be the inspiration. Until next time, thank you for joining us on the Balance CEO podcast. Thank you for joining us this week on the Balance CEO podcast. Check us out on our website at anchors.com. That is anchors, A-N-K-O-R-Z dot com. Or look us up on social media at Anchors LLC for more information about us and today's podcast. As always, subscribe to Spotify and iTunes to catch each episode. And leave us a review wherever you're listening from so we can continue to give you new, fresh content. See you next time. Thank you.